Welcome everybody to the UDR podcast. I'm Tom Forsyth here with Bill Ward. We're going to discuss everything recovery, different perspectives and different experiences in recovery with people we know and people around the world. Welcome everybody to our big book study that we record live every Sunday on Zoom at 7 p.m. Mountain Daytime. Bill and I do not represent any 12-step fellowship, but we're just here to share our experience with the big book um, of Alcoholics Anonymous and how the directions, how we've applied it to our lives and um, how we've brought other people through the directions and applied it to their lives. Uh, We will be discussing God. It is not a religious God. It is just a God of our understanding. So please keep an open mind if you have any questions about um the episodes today we do have an email uh fosdfl at gmail.com and it stands for fellowship of the spirit designed for living at gmail.com so that's fosdfl at gmail.com so if you have any questions or you want any information please shoot us an email and we'd be happy to answer any questions so we just hope everybody enjoys and if you resonate with our episode today Please follow us, and if you know anybody that could benefit from this episode, please share it with them. Thanks a lot. Okay. All right. Okay. We're going to get started tonight at the bottom of 99. Tommy and I were talking and going over our material, and we couldn't remember where we left off. So we decided to start at the bottom of 99. And uh, so last week, when we did the step 11 in the big book, we did it in respect to more of like a newcomer perspective of going through the exact directions. And that is how we live our day to the best of our ability. We started off last week by talking about step 10, because step 10 is a critical piece of step 11. And as we understand step 10, the exact directions in the big book, we clear that channel and we're constantly clearing the channel. We go into the step 11 and we can reiterate that that step 11 last week is directing us in our day. A lot of it brings us back to the inventory process of step 10. And step 10 says, if we have followed directions carefully, we will felt the flow of God into our lives. We call this God consciousness. We have begun to develop this vital sixth sense. So tonight we're going to finish off the step 11 and the 12 in the 12 and 12. And then I want to finish off the night with the step 11 in the big book from a different perspective, way more from a meditation and prayer perspective. And a lot of what we're going to do in that ending piece of the big book, step 11, We're going to be looking at that in the 11 tonight in the 12 and 12. I don't know if that's fucking confusing, but hopefully not. That wasn't too confusing, but I guess what really, what I want to emphasize is this whole program flows together, always together. The steps aren't really separate. Everything is kind of like the ball of yarn and, and that's kind of what we're going to lay out. Anyway, so 
bottom of 99. As beginners in meditation, we might now read this, reread this prayer several times slowly, savoring every word and trying to take in the deep meaning of each phrase and idea. It will help if we can drop all resistance to what our friend says. For in meditation, debate has no place. We rest quietly with the thoughts of someone who knows so that we may experience and learn. As though lying upon a sunlit beach, let us relax and breathe deeply of spiritual atmosphere with which the grace of his prayer surrounds us. Let us become willing to partake and be strengthened and lifted up by the sheer spiritual power, beauty, and love of which these magnificent words are the carriers. Let us look now upon the sea and ponder what its mystery is, and let us lift our eyes to the far horizon beyond which we shall seek all those wonders still unseen. So as we look at that paragraph, we're talking about the step 11 prayer, right? Um, as we are kind of getting like the essence of this prayer, we're, we're talking about using our imagination. And our imagination, a lot of times when we close our eyes, and a lot of us can relate to this as we go to sleep, our, our minds don't shut off. We're always worried about this and that, and how is it going to go tomorrow, and worried about our kids and finances, all of these things, resentments and fear. And all of that stuff blocks us from, from meditating. So it's giving us some practical application of how we get into the zone. And it's saying, you know, as though we are laying on a sunlit beach, let us relax and breathe deeply of the spiritual atmosphere in which the grace of this prayer surrounds us. So imagining, and I do this sometimes. I remember when I used to be in Mexico with my, my family years ago. I would sit out on the deck after a day in Mexico and I had this view of the ocean and there was all these palm trees. And I remember just sitting there and how content and beautiful it was. So a lot of times I go back to that place and I can almost re-experience that feeling because when you like, let's just say you go to you want to be with somebody and you, you meet somebody and then the feeling you get of loving somebody, the feeling that you get of loving somebody or being with somebody or being in an experience, that feeling doesn't come from out there. The feeling was produced from inside of you. And every feeling that is good in this world, we can experience on our own because the feeling was manufactured from within us. And I think too many of us have this ideal that if I have these things from outside of me, I will get the feeling that I'm looking for inside of me. And maybe that is true to some extent. But I think it's more important to understand that these feelings can be brought in from within us. And once we start learning this tool and we start learning and feeling the emotions within us, we can create our own reality through our imagination. And what this is saying is lying upon a sunlit beach, going back to that place, imagining the feeling and creating the feeling within myself. I can change how I feel in a moment. And I've experienced this. I, I can sit here and be in fucking fear and discontentment and 
live in that moment of fear and discontentment. The problem is, is that moment sets up the next moment and it sets up the next moment and sets up the next moment. And I start spiraling down a fucking rabbit hole of negative emotion. I need to be aware and go, you know what? I'm not going there. So I have the power to fucking change that, but I can't just change it with my mind to me, for me, I have to change it with God's help. So in those moments that are setting me up from every moment, I have to combat this with some positive thought. I got to maybe go to the sunlit beach and I can sit in that sunlit beach and I can combat the negativity with, with some good emotion. And, and it's talking about using this prayer, the step 11 prayer in the exact same way. As we actually read that step 11 prayer, and we're going to go back to it here in about a page. And we're going to do some of this. I can experience what it means to God make me a channel of thy peace. Where there is hatred, may I bring love. And last week we talked about that step 11 prayer where the first two thirds of the prayer aren't actually going outside of me. It's, it's the inner part of me. Where am I experiencing inner hatred or self-defeating? And I can bring love to those areas but I got to sit quietly and I got to bring, bring the essence of love into my being and feel that and open my heart. I know Tommy had released a video here on his uh, Instagram and YouTube and shit or Facebook where he talked about this week about stopping, closing your eyes, going into that heart area and opening it up. And bringing a positive emotion that you've experienced in your life, like maybe a child being born or your kids playing or, or a certain piece of your life that was really enjoyable and bringing that to the essence of your heart. That's kind of what we're talking about with this prayer. Okay. So let us become willing to partake in the strength and, and lift it up by the sheer spiritual power and beauty and love of which these magnificent words are the carriers. Let us look now upon the sea and ponder what its mystery is. Look, looking far out into this, the sunlit beach, you know, looking at the sea in my mind and, and lift our eyes to the far horizons beyond which we shall seek those wonders still unseen. Kind of like we're thinking about love and, and what kind of good can come. Like really getting deep down into ourselves where the ultimate reality was only in the last analysis that he has found. It was so within us. That's where God exists. He's within us, right? And then let's keep reading. Shucks, any, shucks, somebody says. This is nonsense. It isn't practical. When such thoughts break in, we might recall a little ruefully how much we stored we used to get to set by imagination as it tried to create reality out of bottles. Yes, we reveled in that sort of thinking, didn't we? And though now sober nowadays, we often try to do much the same thing. Perhaps our trouble was not that we used our imagination. Perhaps the real trouble was our almost total inability to point our imagination towards the right objectives. So I remember when I was thinking about what my days were going to be like when I was partying using drugs and alcohol I remembered like picturing I would imagine going to the bar finding this chick 
having a great night, and then you guys can play out the rest of it. And how many nights did I fucking go to the bar with that imagination and it never really happened that way? Sometimes I woke up with a fucking, I don't even want to describe to you. But the imagination was always pointed at the wrong direction. And the, even in sobriety, I can still do this. If I only have all of these things, the, the second delusion, my life's going to be okay. It's going to be happy. No, I think what more so we need to focus on are, are like, is like loving things, the principles within this program, the spiritual values and, and character building of, of looking out into the future of what kind of person can I be? And I'm going to keep reading. Perhaps our trouble was not that we used our imagination. Perhaps that the real trouble was almost total inability to point the imagination towards the right objectives. There's nothing the matter with constructive imagination. We looked up the word constructive tonight, and it means serving a useful purpose. And in the meditation in the big book, it says when we constructively review our day with, with useful purpose behind all of this stuff, okay? There's nothing the matter with the constructive imagination. All sound achievement rests upon it. After all, no man can build a house until he first envisions a plan for it. Well, meditation is like that too. It helps to envision our spiritual objective before we try to move towards it. So let's get back into the sunlit beach or to the plains or to the mountains, or if you prefer. So it doesn't really matter. It's asking us to use our imagination to help envision and look forward at our lives in, in like a constructively positive way as me growing in the image and likeness of God. Um. I'm going to keep reading, but you want to, you want to go yeah. with anything? So <clears throat> I think this is, it's really important to understand that like our, our minds don't understand reality from our thinking. So if we, we can st start to create a reality within us, and this is what Bill's trying to do here, because if we imagine something, our brain doesn't know if it's real or not. It, 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 it is reality you're thinking. And um, when your thoughts start to create your reality, the more you put your thoughts in line with God's purpose and you start to imagine it and you start to feel it and you start to radiate it, you start to attract it. And that's the way this goes. So, and, and, and it's also beautiful because a lot of people coming in, including myself, come in here and they can't shut their mind off. So just put your mind to good use, ask for God's help. You always start with prayer. And then you can go into meditation and then end with prayer again. Because we have to have God's help to do this. But when I, if I'm a guy who can't shut my mind off, this is a perfect use for it. There's that one motto in the, in the room that says, think, think, think. Well, if you're using it constructively for a useful purpose, then this is it. So uh, I know a lot of people struggle. Like I can't sit still. I can't, you know, calm my mind this and this and this, but well, this is, this is perfect for that because you don't actually have to shut your mind off, but you have to get used to putting your, your thoughts into a positive way. Cause it's going to, your, your thoughts are going to affect your nervous system and everything. So if you're constantly in state of fear and anger and all these things, you're going to be restless, irritable, discontent. 
And if you're in a state of love and joy, even if it's just moments and it starts with moments and then it gets longer and longer and longer, the more you practice. And it really works well in correlation with the, with the uh, inventory because you can understand and then use this prayer so you can understand where you're, you're angry, where you're dishonest, where you're selfish. And you can bring that into this prayer and start covering this, you know, visualize the, the anger being covered with love. Use your imagination. What does that feel like? And you will start to feel that way if you practice. But again, we have to start with prayer because we need God's help with this and then go into it. And you'll start to see like this stuff is fucking amazing. And it's going to start to radiate in your life and you're going to start to, to attract. Like Bill said, I went to India where alcohol was forbidden, but my mind was alcoholic. So I'm always thinking about alcohol. Guess what I attract? I, I go to dinner with a family and the guy hands me a cup of whiskey and a teacup. I didn't even know it was whiskey, but I totally attracted that because my thoughts were always there. I'm vibrating at a level that I want alcohol. Well, if I'm vibrating at a level where I want to express love, I'm going to attract love. And Tommy brought up some good points, like practicing this stuff. Like the program talks about prayer and meditation. The meditation part isn't an option, really. It, it has to come to fruition at some point. So for like, for me, I'm six years, almost six years and March will be six years. But my meditation didn't really get like really good until about three years in. I didn't really know what I was doing. And I would just try everything. And I tried guided and I would try all these things. But I think the important thing was I was trying. And I got, I found this little sweet spot one day. I don't really know how I found it, but I would sit in the meeting and I would breathe in uh, love or kindness or whatever. And I could picture the words like being brought into my being. And then when I would breathe out, I would breathe out fear. I'd breathe out anger. I'd breathe out anxiety. And I could picture the words and like, I would even put colors to the words. I would put colors to like the blue would be all the good things I was breathing in. And I could see the words in my mind and I would breathe out all the negativity and it would be red. So that was really, really important for the beginning parts of me meditating. Cause I wasn't really able to get into like a meditation but there's really no real definition of meditation. But I think the most important part is use your imagination and to keep trying and to not stop trying because it is part of the program. And like I'm sitting here almost six years now today and I can't imagine my life without meditation. It's like, it's like as important as air. And I know I fall off the beam when I'm not meditating, but it's one of those things that I will easily slight but I pay the price for it, but I'm closing the gap on that. Like I talked about closing the gap early in my recovery about, you know, prayer, meditation, inventories, working the other parts of the program. I had to go through the pain of fucking learning to close the gap on all that other stuff. Now I'm trying to close the gap on meditation because I still will easily slide it. I can sit here at night and plan my meditation and then turn on Netflix and fucking that's it. Netflix it is. But then I pay for it and I don't want to pay for it, but you know, the beatings will continue until the lesson is learned. <laughs> so I continually suffer the beatings of self-imposed crisis until I learn these lessons and eventually, hopefully will never be perfect. I, I imagine, 
that I'm going to do this more rigorously and more uh, structured in my days because I benefit from it. It grounds me and it, we'll describe some of that as we keep going. Okay. So when by such simple devices, we have placed ourselves in a mood in which we can focus undisturbed on constructive imagination, we might proceed like this. Once more, we read our prayer. And again, we try to see what its inner essence is. We think now about the man who first uttered the prayer. First of all, he wanted to become a channel. Then he asked for the grace to bring love, for forgiveness, harmony, truth, faith, hope, light, and joy to every human being he could. Next, he came to the expression of an aspiration and hoped for himself and hope for himself. He hoped God willing that he might be able to find some of these treasures too. This he would try to do by what he called self-forgetting. What, what did he mean by self-forgetting? And how did he propose to accomplish that? He thought it better to give comfort than to receive it. Better to understand than to be understood. Better to forgive than to be forgiven. So in that first paragraph at the top of that page, I'm just going to touch on something. Once more, we read our prayer and we tried again to see what its inner essence is. <coughs> and Tommy and I described last week about that St. Francis prayer. It's broken down into two parts. One is about inner, one is about outer. So I want to go back there. And, and I don't believe Bill wrote this here by accident. He talked about inner essence that I'd be able to ask for the grace to bring love, forgiveness, harmony, truth, faith, hope, light, joy to every human being he could. But the inner essence part is really important because that's about inside of me. And as I bring these things within me and I fix these things within me, I can actually be those things outside of me and I can do the self-forgetting part. And it all works together, right? So let's go back to the step 11 prayer quickly and just kind of retouch base on it. Because I think it's important as you guys are also going to sponsor people as we understand this prayer and more is constantly revealed over time and years that, that this prayer is understood like how we're trying to describe it. Because I spent many years thinking this prayer was always about everything outside of me. And I would focus only about giving all this stuff and doing all this stuff outside of me. But this is an inside job. There is a long period of reconstruction ahead. The reconstruction is me. More will constantly be revealed. There's roots of this stuff that I act out in, but I got to get to the roots at some point. And over time, the roots start revealing themselves. And that is assessed the essence of what I think this is saying. Lord, make me a channel of thy peace, that where there is hatred, that I may bring love. So like I said last week, I didn't know that I had self-hatred. But over the last couple of years, I've re revealed that I had a lot of self-hatred. I, I shared last week that I, I tried not to be Indian my whole life. Well, look at me. I'm fucking Indian. You don't think that that has a lot to do with my inner turmoil? And a lot of my defect and a lot of my anger, trying to not be who I actually am. Yeah, there, there was some self-hatred behind that. That where there is wrong, I may bring the spirit of forgiveness. 
And I'm going to say, where there is shame, may I bring the spirit of forgiveness. Society puts all these expectations on us that we have to live up to. And then we shame ourselves in our deep subconscious. And shame, by definition, is the painful feeling of dishonoring one's own consciousness. So I can do that um, delusionally because I'm trying to live up to things outside of me that society tells me I should be that I can't live up to. Or people will place expectations on me that I don't, I shouldn't have to live up to, but I have been taught that. So I think it's important that I actually give myself a break and I forgive myself and, I, and I'm just fucking another human trying to do the best I can. But this, this stuff for me came over time. A lot of it kind of came maybe in my first set of steps or second set of steps. My second set of steps revealed a lot of this, but you know, six years in almost, I'm, I'm seeing more of the stuff that's actually really affected my life. Remember in step four, it said uh, in the 12 and 12, when we did step six, step four is a vigorous and painstaking effort to discover what our emotional deformities in each of us have been and are. Well, that's what I'm doing today at six years in. I'm discovering what my emotional deformities have been and are. Where'd they come from? I want to find out exactly how, when, and where these emotional deformities warped me. Well, I'm finding out how, when, and where some of these emotional deformities like anger had warped me. We wish to look squarely at the unhappiness and pain that th these have caused others and ourselves. So I'm looking at the pain and unhappiness that some of the stuff has caused me and others. Without a willing and persistent effort to do this, there will be little sobriety or contentment for us. While I'm looking for contentment. So I'm, a lot of these things are coming revealed now. And, and the hope is, is that I'm going to get more whole within me because my defects of character are just evidence of the fractured pieces of my personality that I, that I haven't fixed yet. And as I fix these things through the circumstances, what is this but a miracle of healing? Circumstances made him willing to believe. I believe God can help me with these things if I let him. And then I heal a little bit more. What am I doing? I'm uncovering, I'm discovering, I'm discarding, and I'm recovering, and I'm becoming more whole. And meditation is a huge piece to this emotional wholeness. It just works somehow. Anyway, let's keep reading. Um, that where there's wrong, I may bring the spirit of forgiveness. And if I can forgive me, I can always forgive somebody else. And that where there is discord, I may bring harmony. Where I'm not okay with myself and I feel discord, maybe I can bring some harmony and joy. And I do this in meditation, right? Through the self-examination, like Tommy talked about, self-examination is, is huge in this. I want the unshakable foundation for life. That's what we read last week. Where there is error, I may bring truth. That where there is doubt, I may bring faith. How, my, how many of us doubt ourselves? We live in continual self-doubt. I can't do that. Oh, I'm not good enough for that. I'm not, I'm not pretty enough or I'm not handsome enough. Like there's so much self-doubt that maybe I need to bring faith. I need to bring God into this. Because God knows that, that I am good enough. We're all good enough. But sometimes the self-doubt really hooks us. 
But when we can bring God into that self-doubt and we can try to change it, like Tommy said, with persistent action, it does slowly change. And that's important to know that it can change. But it doesn't change overnight. It only changes with persistent, consistent commitment to change, which is what this program is about. It's about change. Um, where there is despair, I may bring hope. Despair, self-pity, morbid reflection, poor me, that I may bring hope. I ask God for the hope in the areas where I may be despairing. You know, um, going through a breakup recently with myself, my brain goes, well, oh, you're never going to find that again. And it's never going to be like that again. And, and the thing with the alcoholic is this is across the board from what I've seen. Whenever that self-doubt and that self-hatred and the morbid reflection creep in, it's like it's always fucking been this way and it's always going to be this way. And then that just digs that hole deeper. And if, I, and if I don't start setting up myself for the next moment of positivity, I go down the fucking rabbit hole. It's like this big circle. And if I can be at the top of the circle, most of the time, maybe on the top quarter of the circle, I'm doing pretty good. You know, sometimes I'm down, sometimes I'm up, sometimes I'm down, sometimes I'm up. But if I get hooked into morbid reflection, I can go down the circle, I get to the bottom of the circle. You know how hard it is to work my way back up to the fucking top? I got to catch myself going down. And I got to be vigilant and, and like, consistent with me going, fuck that. I'm going back up. I'm going back up. And it might take me a week to get back up. But if I go all the way down, now I'm down in there a month and I've lost all genuine humility. And step four, it talks about, you know, um, I'm, I'm probably going to drink if I stay down there. So I got to fucking be diligent and vigilant about what I'm doing here so I can keep working towards getting back up to the top of the circle. Because with the alcoholic falling into that place where there's no humility, we, we fall to extinction and we pick up the bottle and, and there's a good chance that we ain't coming back out of it. So, and that's a big one for us alcoholics is that despair. That takes top priority reading. I may bring hope uh, where there are shadows that I may bring light. Well, shadows, the dark places that I haven't seen yet, I may bring light. Through the self-inventory, I can see the, find a chink in the walls of the ego so that the light of reason can shine. There's some darkness here and I got to find it, but I got to keep chinking on, on the, the armor of these walls so that the light of reason can shine. And the only way to do that is to really do the inventories and to ask God, where do you want me to heal? Show me where you want me to heal. As I'm rebuilding myself with God's help, He's going to reveal through the situations in my life. Am I willing to look at each situation as a learning tool? Am I willing to look at, at the breakup of, of a beautiful relationship as, as a tool? I have to. Because there's something there. There is. And there's always a tool to learn about every circumstance that you go through. And it's not always fucking fun and easy. But step four says it's a painstaking effort to discover 
what these emotional deformities are. Why am I so fucking holding on to whatever it is and I can't fucking be happy and let it go? Well, there's something there. But in the moment, I feel like, fuck, this is, this is terrible. It's always going to be like this. It's always been this. But it's not. Sometimes we've got to step away from ourselves, look at the facts, go to our sponsor. And he goes, dude, you were fucking perfect for the last two months. What do you mean it's always been this way? That, that's like the illusion of the brain, right? This is our disease. Our disease fucks us. And not just the allergy. This is a thinking disease. This is a mental fucking illness that tricks us in thinking that we're not really sick. Um, that I may bring light to where there, where there is sadness, I may bring joy. And then we get into the second half. Lord, grant me that I may seek to comfort then to be comforted. Now I'm outside myself, giving comfort to other people. And through the comfort I give you, I get comfort. To understand then to be understood. To love then to be loved. For it is by self-forgetting that one finds. It is by forgiving that one is forgiven. It is by dying that one awakens to eternal life. So an example today is I was, I was going down the fucking circle a little bit today. And I knew it. I was praying. I was meditating. I was trying to bring the positive thoughts but they were pretty strong negative thoughts. And, and, but the book says nothing can sure immunity as much as helping another alcoholic. So usually the sponsee is going to remember that and fucking call somebody, which is great. But I, I sponsor Chrissy and I called Chrissy today. And you know, she's doing some of her own work. And of course, she's going to talk to me about the work she's doing. And by the end of it, I'm feeling fucking way better. And I said, well, thanks, because I called you because I was fucking struggling. And she's <laughs> like, oh, really? And I'm like, yeah. But we don't have to do it alone. Like, and if I let my pride and ego get in the way of me fucking reaching out for help, fucking banana peel trail, man. I got to fucking lay that shit aside. And I got to be honest with me, rigorous honesty with me, grasping and developing a manner of living, which demands this rigorous honesty. I got to be like, dude, you're fucking hurt and reach out to somebody. And luckily I got lots of sponsees and I can get myself and lifted back up and put on my feet by talking with somebody else. And that's what she did for me today. And then Tommy came over and lifted me up some more. And now I get really lifted up being here. And it's like this, right? But I don't got to go to the fucking bottom of the barrel. And I have a choice in that today. I maybe don't have a choice in everything that happens, but I got a choice in how far I fucking let it go. And if I'm not being honest with myself, then I'm fucked. And I know I'm not capable of honesty on my own. So I have to rely on other people to help keep me honest. Because if I ain't fucking honest, especially you newbies, if you ain't being honest with your sponsor and yourself, ain't by mistake, guys, don't make it two fucking years. I know I ain't going to pick up a drink if I ain't honest right now, but if I stay on this track, yeah, I will have no choice. So it's really important to be reaching out, talking to your God-centered pillars about the pennies and the nickels. And I could easily say, yeah, I got this. Me and God got this. But you know what? Today I needed a chat. And maybe I need more chats. I don't know. But I'm going to definitely do what this book is saying tonight. 
because I need this stuff. I need this stuff because I want to feel, I want to feel the grace of God in my life today. Guns? Yeah, it's, yeah. It seems like the entire program like is like preparing us for what it's talking about in this prayer. And because um, in order to be a channel, and it starts that way, make me a channel of thy peace. Well, I can't do that without the inventory process. It's just, it's impossible. Um, the inventory is what opens, cracks the door in the channel. And in my opinion, it's a channel between the head and the heart. And, you know, all of these things to me is, is a place of the heart. Peace, love, forgiveness, it all comes from the heart. And, uh, you know, but for a guy like me, it's like, I, I will never be able to stay there without the second part of the prayer because I need to self forget. Because if I don't, all of a sudden, I get excited when I feel love and I want to do something with it. And I think it's all because of something that I did that was so fucking wonderful, blah, 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 blah. But really, it's just grace of God. And, um, you know, so the second part of the prayer is very, it's, it's very um, necessary because um, everything that I feel I need to express to other people um, so that I can continue to experience it because the more I give, the more I get. And that's just the way it is. It's like some sort of spiritual law. And, you know, I don't, I didn't write the rules, but all I know is my experience shows that the more I give, the more I get everything that I ever want, I get from giving. But sometimes it's hard to give when I'm in discord or hatred, even I, I have nothing to give. And uh, so the, the step 10, how it all just kind of inter interweaves with this is uh, I won't experience these things without the step 10 process. Because if I let this stuff go on a daily basis, eventually, like, I don't even know how to get back to where I was. Um, but this, like, if, if I continue to follow what this prayer is saying on a daily basis, if you practice this prayer and, and the directions that we just read every morning and every night, and even throughout the day, like this one's a little tough to do while you're working, right? But that's where those, that's where it kind of interweaves with the, the spot checks because the spot checks for like the busy times where you don't have time to sit and visualize and imagine. And the times in, you know, quick stress where you got to call your sponsor because you just blew up at some guy that cut you off. And uh, <laughs> sorry, I was just throwing a, a jab at my sponsee. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is like, this is where step 10 and 11, it, it just becomes a way of life. And it has to for a guy like me, if I want what this program actually has to offer, then this has to become a way of life. And like, don't like people think this is fanatical. But I'm telling you, if, when this stuff becomes a working part of your mind, it's very rare that you're going to feel like so bent out of shape that you want to fucking drink or that you want to punch somebody or that you want to explode. Because if this, like, if you think about it, like, think about what this prayer is saying. If this is a working part of your mind, you can't go to extremes. It's almost physically impossible. 
If you're constantly in contact with God all throughout the day, you're doing this kind of thing every morning and every night, it is going to be impossible to go to extremes. You just, you, you just can't because this is the way you live now. And that all that stuff that always gets pent up and we explode at somebody and we think it's because of that situation. It's no, it's because we haven't been dealing with the things for the past two weeks first. It's always that way. Right. So think about it. Like even like things like lust, like if we're not dealing with these emotions with God on a daily basis, we're going to do something stupid. We're going to go on the wrong date. We're going to text the wrong person. And it goes on and on. You can, re you can relate this to any single defect of character. And it always goes to extremes if we don't practice this stuff. And that's been my experience and every other alcoholic's experience that's on the channel today. Go ahead, Ben. Okay, let's keep reading. Page 101, uh, middle of the page. This much could be a fragment of what is called meditation. Perhaps our very first attempt at mood at a mood, a flare into the realm of the spirit, if you like. It ought to be followed by a good look at where we stand now and a further look at what might happen in our lives if we were able to move closer to the ideal we have been trying to glimpse. Meditation is something which can always be further developed. It has no boundaries, either of width or height. Aided by such instruction, example, as we can find, is e essentially an individual adventure something which each one of us works out in his own way. But its object is the same, to improve our conscious contact with God, with his grace, wisdom, and love. And let us always remember that meditation is real reality, intensely practical. I'm going to go back here. So as it says, perhaps our very first attempt at mood, it might be your first attempt at trying to really regenerate a different mood. <coughs> Because I know most of us just think that our moods are life. And we create our reality based on these moods. And our thinking is the first thing. And then we create the mood. And then we react out of the mood. So I'm trying to, you know, recreate a different mood by imagining in my thinking something different. Creating that experience that's different. It ought to be followed by a good look at where we stand now and a further look at what might happen in our lives were we able to move closer to the ideal we've been trying to glimpse. I got to have an accurate analysis of where I actually am, which is why Tommy's emphasizing the inventory. I got to have an ac accurate analysis of what and who I am right now, followed by a sincere attempt to become what I could be. And when we go through the meditation piece of step 11 in the big book later, that's exactly what this book is doing. And when you look at step 11 in the big book, it's about prayer and meditation and that it's actually prayer and meditation. And I'll show you the exact directions. Tommy and I will show you the exact directions of the prayer and meditation parts only. Never mind all the fluffy shit around it because it's there. And that's the beautiful thing about this book and about step 11 is I can look at it first when I get here is my clear cut of directions of how to live my life. But then as I grow in this program and I seek power, I seek God's power, I can use step 11 as a pure power point. And that's what it will become. So as I'm trying to get a glimpse, anyway, let's keep going. 
On one of its first fruits is emotional balance. With it, we can broaden and deepen the channel between ourselves and God as we understand him. So if that's a promise, which it is, emotional balance, then it's a really important thing to, to practice. That's why today I need meditation. And I know Tommy's huge on meditation. There's just something about when you can sit quietly. And then after, so for me, let's just say I'm going to sit for a half an hour. For the first 10 minutes, usually, my mind is hooking into thoughts. But I just sit there anyway. And I let the thoughts go and different thoughts come in, little inspirations come, and then eventually 10, 15 minutes in, there's nothing. And I'm sitting there with like absolutely nothing in my mind. And it's the ultimate reality. And it's like everything is perfect and there's nothing outside of me that can bother me. And I don't know what it does, but it just soothes everything. And I notice when I practice this a couple times a day or even once a day at first, if you guys are learning, there, it'll do something to your life. So for me today, I'm trying to do at least an hour of sit meditation a day. I'm not great at it every day for an hour, but I'm getting better at it. But it always takes me 10, 15 minutes to get into the, like the spot where I'm like, okay. And I might only get into that spot for two minutes some days five minutes some days sometimes I sit there for 15 minutes and the thing about meditation is I can't expect every meditation to be the same because I've learned that none of them are the same I've had meditations where I just don't think of anything and I've had meditations where I've seen like shit like I had this one meditation about a month ago I'll share this one with you this one blew my mind I sat for 10 minutes nothing came and it was just it was really cool and then all of a sudden, I was coming up over the horizon of Earth, and I was like squishing the whole Earth. And I came up and I could see like the sun behind the mountains and the clouds. And I could see like over the whole Earth and see the sun and it was God was the sun. And like, like it was like I was in this reality, man. And it was real. Everything was real. And it was fucking the most beautiful thing. And I came out of that meditation really calm and relaxed. And the thing I noticed about meditation is when I was doing meditations, I'd come out of there and I'd be like so calm and relaxed. My girlfriend at the time would think that I was fucking silent because I was angry. And after a number of times this happened, I'm like, fuck, I'm just totally cool. But she keeps thinking I'm angry because one of my go-tos is when I'm angry is I go quiet. But I wasn't angry and any of these times when I was after meditating, but the pattern in her thought I was always angry. So yeah, that's that was a deadly experience. And I've had some other ones that are really, really cool too, but they're all different. Every experience is different. So don't expect anything to be exactly the same in this because it never really is, is it for you? No, 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 no it never is. And, and the thing is with it is, for a lot of people, including myself, I know when I first started, it was very discouraging. Um, I didn't really understand the, what the directions were in the 12 and 12 when I first started. And I wish I did, because it's like so simple. And I do apply this stuff to my meditation today and it works really well. But um, I, the main thing is, I would have to say, like if you're a person that's not good at sitting still, um, 
like just don't get discouraged i would have to say because i was that guy at one point i was a anxious anxiety ridden dude but you do get to a point as long as you continue to practice and maybe you gotta you have to use you know uh guided meditations or whatever but even like a minute and this is the the thing is people give up on this because they feel like it doesn't work for them every single person on the planet is capable of it doesn't matter because i'm i'm an add guy i'm an anxious guy i'm an anxiety guy but this has changed all of that. This has changed all of that. I used to not be able to leave my house. It would take me six, seven times because I would, I was always forgetting something because I was a freaking scatterbrain. This has changed all of that. So if there's anything, anybody like this, this will calm your thoughts. This will calm your mood, but you have to continue to practice. It's like, like you don't tell a kid that he's stupid because he keeps falling off his bike, right? Well, don't do it to yourself either. Because like it takes time to learn to walk. It takes time to learn to ride a bike. All of these things. Meditation is a lot like that. As you start to learn your mind, you will have a moment of space where there's no thought and you'll, re you'll recognize it. And then you'll start to learn to be able to hang on to that a little bit longer and longer and longer. I have to, and sometimes in meditation, I just say, thank you, ego, shut up now. Because it happens. My mind just starts to think. But as I start to just be aware of you're almost like watching your thoughts like it's a movie but it's a it took practice it took practice and like we have an abundant amount of information on meditation so find what fits for you and and just find somebody who you resonate with on youtube or whatever but the main thing is to do it every day i don't care if it's uncomfortable you know like alcoholism is uncomfortable so we have to learn to deal with it so if we can learn to sit through the little bit of uncomfortability, because we're all afraid of our emotions, even though they're not even really anything, but we're all afraid of it. And uh, we start to learn to deal with it. We start to sit with it. We start to be comfortable with ourselves. And like this, this is a amazing, like the, the 12 and 12 does an amazing job at this, because if you can actually apply this every day, not once a week, once a week won't work. Twice a week, maybe, probably not. But every day you will start to benefit from this stuff and you will start to become more useful to your sponsees and the people around you. You'll become more useful at work. People will wonder what, how this guy got so calm now. I'm serious. Like this will change your everything, every relationship in your life, it will. You'll start to see everybody as a different kind of being. You'll start to understand them more. You'll start to forgive more. It just happens because this is our natural state. This is who we are. It's just our mind, our ego, alcoholism takes us away from it. So meditation brings us to our natural state of being, which is love and compassion. And to further that, um, and this can be done all through the day. Like I've, I've gone into the bank and had to wait in line. I just sit there and I close my eyes and I can meditate for 10, 20, 30 seconds. And like, this can be practiced all throughout the day. Sometimes at a set of lights, I'm restless, irritable, discontented. And I know the light just turned red. I can sit there for 30 seconds and just kind of quiet my mind. And even if it's 10 seconds and, and I can do this all day long and it just does something. And the practice of this is, is, really important like Tom was saying um, 
Yeah, we went through one whole page there. Holy shit. So we'll try to speed it up a little bit here. Doo, doo, doo. Okay. So we're at the top of 102, first full paragraph. Now, what of prayer? Prayer is the raising of our heart and mind to God. I love that. That's what Tommy was just talking about. Raising of our heart and mind up to God. And in this sense, it includes meditation. How may we go about it? And what does it, and how does it fit in with meditation? Prayer as commonly understood is a petition to God. Having opened our channel the best we can, we try to ask for those right things of which we and others are in the greatest need. And we think that the whole range of our needs is well defined by that part of step 11, which says knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. A request for this fits in any part of our day. In the morning, we think of the hours to come. So on awakening, and we're really going to talk about exactly what this line says when we get into that at the end of this tonight on awakening and when we retire at night, how they apply only to prayer and meditation. Perhaps we think of our day's work and the chances it may afford us to be helpful, useful and helpful, or of some special problem that it may bring. Possibly today we'll see a continuation of a serious and yet unresolved problem left over from yesterday. They're talking about when we retire at night. Our immediate temptation will be ask for, will to ask for specific solutions to specific problems. That's usually what people do. Please help me with this specific problem. And for the ability to help other people, as we have already thought they should be helped. In that case, we're asking God to do it our way. Therefore, we ought to consider each request carefully to see what it is, what its real merit is. Even so, when making specific requests, it will be well to add each one of them with this qualification, if it be thy will. We ask simply that throughout the day, God place us in the best understanding of his will that we can have for that day, and that we be given by the grace by which we may carry it out. So that's this is getting more specific into how to pray properly. And in that step 11, it gives us, in the step 11 in the big book, it gives us pretty clear directions on how to pray. But a lot of us want to pray for somebody else and say, you know, hope, God, please get this guy to get the program. Or please get this person to get what it is that I think they need. And so I've, I've prayed for that, like a lot. I've prayed like that a lot. Like when I'm working with the guys, I used to pray, God, please help this guy get the program. But I've learned that I don't have the right to really say, this is what you should give this person, God. Now, whenever I pray like that, I say, if it be thy will, you know, and that that's the truth I got, because I don't know what's best for everybody. I don't know if somebody should get the program. Maybe that's not part of their journey right now. I don't know who's supposed to die and when people are supposed to die. Like Bill, who died today, who I prayed for at the beginning of the study. When I found out, I wasn't like upset. I was upset from a place of he's a beautiful man and we don't get him anymore. 
but I've really come to terms that this is God's world and I don't really know what's really best for anybody and that this was his time to go. And like, even with my daughter's experience that I told you guys way back in step eight, I don't know what's fucking best. And I know that sounds terrible as a father to, to say that about something that my daughter went through, but I don't really know what's fucking best. I know that was terrible and it hurts my heart. But what are the lessons every human being has to learn? God knows where I'm broken. God knows where I need to be healed. And he's going to put in my life the circumstances that allow me to build the strength and fortitude and true self-confidence with his help. So like I explained at the beginning of the study, I'm having a tough day. But I need to learn my lessons in whatever this area is. And the beatings will continue until the lessons learned. Well, I, this has been a bit of a beating over a number of years. I don't know what the lesson is, but I ask God for strength and protection and guidance to show me what my next step is to be. And I know that whatever these things are happening in my life or in your own lives, these things aren't happening by mistake. As we grow through these things, we start learning how to build true self-confidence and fortitude and strength to deal with that. And as we get through these things, we rise up a little bit. And we stand a little stronger and we're able to go, fuck, I got through that with, with the help of my creator. We begin to fear pain less and desire humility more than ever. So every, every lesson teaches us something that's not always fun anyway yeah it talks about <clears throat> it talks about placing demands on god and it, and i don't know how long i did that for i not understanding but it's really important important that this whole program is bringing us to a place of the unknown where i don't need to know alcoholics are an extreme example of always needing to know what's happening next like how often do we plan, manipulate, control our futures before it even happens? And then when things don't go our way, we get it all twisted up. And, you know, in most cases we drink or used to, or we always know what's best of us. And we want God's help with specific things because we want it to go a certain way. This kind of unravels all that. We need to be a place where it's okay to not know anymore. And we get God's directions as we do that. Because as soon as I start to limit God's direction, thinking that I know what's best and how he should guide me, it just, it doesn't go anywhere. It's like telling God that I know what's best, but I want your help to do it. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. So we're really letting go by self-forgetting. And that's it we need to forget ourselves by focusing on other people. And then we stand a better chance of getting what we wanted anyway. Yeah, and exactly. And what that reminds me of in Bill's story, Bill talks about uh, something and I'm gonna say what it says in the big book. It says, never was I to pray for myself, except how my request bore on my usefulness to others. And then I might expect to receive, and that would be in great measure. 
That's what Tommy's talking about. I don't pray for myself and my own selfish ends and needs. To God, give me the things that I want on my terms. Except for how my, my requests will bore on my usefulness to somebody else. And then it says, then I will expect to receive. So there's an expectation that I will receive. And that would be in great measure. Well, what does great measure mean? Well, thus far in my recovery, it means a lot of fucking fulfillment that comes from deep within. You know, our problems arise out of ourselves and the alcoholic is the most extreme example of self-will run riot. Well, a lot of these problems that have arise out of myself, they're not arising out of myself anymore because of what that prayer has done. I, I asked for my request to bore on my usefulness to others. And then as I go out and I self-forget and I be of service, I get what Tommy said. I get everything that I ever wanted. And the great measure is I get fulfillment from within by giving. But I always used to take to fill in whatever that hole was. But now I give and I receive. And, and maybe that receiving means many other things. Maybe it means at some point in my life, in this new life that I'm living, that maybe he'll abundant me with with some material blessings and some money. I remember when I talked to my grandma about going on this path and she said, it doesn't matter if there's money involved, Billy, you go do this anyway. Okay. But my ego wants the certain things that it wants, but I've, I've really uh, accepted the fact that maybe that shit will never come the way that I hope it will. But there is a spiritual law that when you give, you receive. And I know a lot of the book, Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich, it talks about receiving an abundance in the world of the material as well. So I'm not going to lie and say, I hope that actually comes true. But God ain't just going to give it to me. You know, I, I also got to align with him and, and take the steps that he shows me to take. And a lot of those steps come through the prayer and meditation. And, and I can't make like the, the thing, the goal, the goal is, is I got to stay present in the moment. And what's the goal? The purpose is, is I help people today and through helping today, clearing, keeping the channel clear and giving the, the path reveals itself little by little. And, and I don't really know where it goes. <coughs> and I try not to control too much because it just works better. And I've said it before, and I know Tommy's the same. We wake up every morning and we say, show me where we can be of service. And then the day unfolds and God fucking does that. So I don't know. It's, it's a fucked up way of life, but it's a beautiful way of life. It's way different than it used to be. I'll tell you that. Because I actually, before I got here, when I had my company, my whole life was pretty much set. I was financially secure. My business was booming, had lots of money. But how quickly things can change. But I do believe my life is set. I just don't know what it looks like because God has the blueprint. But I want the fucking blueprint, but he ain't giving it to me. <laughs> so I got to accept that. It's kind of the same as the actor. I want everyone to do what I want. I want them to operate on my script, but I don't give them the script. And if they don't operate on the script that I have in my mind, then I get pissed off. <laughs> it's kind of the same thing. Um, okay, let's keep going. 
As the day goes on, we can pause where situations must be met with decision and decisions made and renew the simple request, thy will not mine be done. If at these points our emotional disturbance happens to be great, we will more surely keep our balance provided we remember and repeat it to ourselves a particular prayer or phrase that is appealed to us in our reading or meditation. Just saying it over and over will often enable us to clear the channel choked up with anger, fear, frustration, or misunderstanding, and permit us to return to the surest of help to search for our search for God. God's will, not our own. And in the moment of stress, sorry, I'm reading really shitty. At these critical moments, if we remind ourselves that it is better to comfort than to be comforted, and to understand than to be understood, to be loved, to love rather than to be loved, we will be following the intent of step 11. And so I think it's important to remember the step three prayer, the serenity prayer, step seven prayer, even thy will not mine be done. All of these things will change you in the moment. Like I remember when I was first new, I would say the serenity prayer a hundred times a day. And it got me through a lot of shit. The step three prayer gets me through a lot of shit. Thy will not mine be done is one that I go to a lot. It gets me through a lot. It just changes something quickly. But it just talked about that, that we, that we read it over and over and over. That's why when I sponsor people, I give them a little list of this is what I want you to do in the morning. Around noon or one o'clock, I want you to do this. And I want you to finish it off with this. And all through the day, if you can remember to do those same things. Because it's, it's about rewiring a new pattern of positive thinking, not the negative undertone that, that we're used to thinking. Okay, middle 103. Of course, it is reasonable and understandable that the question is often asked, why can't we take a specific and troubling dilemma straight to God and in prayer secure from him sure and definite answers to our requests? This can be done, but it has its hazards. We have seen AAs ask with much earnestness and faith for God's explicit guidance on matters ranging all the way from shattering domestic or financial crisis to correcting a minor personal fault like tardiness. Quite often, however, the thoughts that seem to come from God are not answers at all. They prove to be well-intentioned unconscious rationalizations. The AA or indeed any man who tries to run his life on this, rid on this rigidity by this kind of prayer, by the self-serving demand of God for replies is particularly disconcerting individual. So what I wanna talk about there is mistaken God's will for deep-rooted trauma is very, very common. The alcoholic who doesn't rely on God-centered pillars will run his life on his own self-will with the best of intention and find himself in quite the predicament in an emotional disturbance. And if you keep doing that, they get drunk. Mm -hmm. So understanding that it's very difficult to be rigorously honest on our own. And we must have God's help no matter what it is, domestic financial crisis or you know, a defect of character, whatever it is, it's really important that we go to God-centered 12-step pillars and get their, their advice on our current situation. Because we will make decisions based on, oh, this is God's will, I got the thought. But a lot of that thought is based in subconscious traumas and unlooked at issues 
that will drive us with the best of intentions. But the best of intention hides the pure motive. And motive is always the most important. That's why I say it often, don't live your life with the best of intentions in this program because you're gonna be subtly running it on your own will. And that is running it on the theory of God. And the theory of God does not keep you sober and it does not give you the life that we're looking to live. Practical application, God working in and through me 24 hours a day. However that starts, maybe it's not 24 hours a day, but it's like a sincere desire to really turn to God and have the attitude of God. And God becomes the attitude at some point. And the thing with, um, with that is, especially at first, and if you're not practicing meditation right away, I mean, you really have to consider when you pray, when you're asking God questions, just know you're going to get the answer, but usually you have to, you have to take the action. You have to go to meetings. You have to talk to your sponsor. And over the days or sometimes even weeks, something will just click and it might be in a meeting or, you know, you might turn something on that, you know, some sort of audio or talk to your sponsor and then the answer just clicks. But to think you can always just go to prayer and sit in meditation and the answer just comes immediately, I think that's total nonsense. I mean, you could sharpen your intu intuition to a point, but if you're in a position where you're trying to find an answer, it's very rare that it just comes. Or with practice, sometimes yes. But in my experience, especially in the beginning, it always came through the meetings or talking to my sponsor or something outside where I wasn't even thinking about it anymore. And somebody said something and I go, oh, that's it. That's what I was looking for, thank you. And this is kind of the way it works, but we have to continually continue to surround ourselves with people that are 12 steps, you know, work in the program and centered in God. Because if we just, if we just pray and then we just go about our day and expect an answer from somewhere that's not God-centered, it's probably not gonna happen. It's usually through somebody else's channel through God that you're gonna get the answer. It just it seems to be the way from my experience that that works. Okay. Bottom of 103. To any questioning or criticism of his actions, he instantly proffers his reliance upon prayer for guidance in all matters great or small. He may have forgotten the possibility that his own wishful thinking and the human tendency to rationalize have distorted his so-called guidance. Boom. That's what we're talking about. With the best of intentions, he tends to force his own will into all sorts of situations and problems with the comfortable assurance that he is acting under God's specific direction. Under such an illusion, he can, of course, create great havoc without at least intending it. That's exactly what I'm talking about. And from this, I want you to go to page 60. So second paragraph, page 60. The second difficulty is this, what comes to us alone may be garbled by our own rationalization and wishful thinking. The benefit of talking to another person is that we can get his direct comment and counsel on our situation. 
And there can be no doubt in our minds what that advice is. Going at it in spiritual matters alone is dangerous. How many times have we heard well-intentioned people claim the guidance of God when it was all too plain that they were sorely mistaken? Lacking both practice and humility, they had deluded themselves and were able to justify the most errant nonsense on the ground that this is what God had told them. It is worth noting that people of very high spiritual development almost always insist on checking with friends or spiritual advisors the guidance they feel they have received from God. Surely then, a novice ought not lay himself open to the chance of making foolish, perhaps tragic blunders in this fashion. While the comment or advice of another may be by no means infallible, it is likely to be far more specific than any direct guidance we may receive while we are so still inexperienced in establishing a contact with a power greater than ourselves. So just to tie into what we just read, you know, the benefit of talking to somebody else is we have an arch enemy and it's rationalization. And when you think about an arch enemy, enemies know more about you than you do. Rationalization works with the ego and it wants what it wants and it thinks that's what you want. But when you can get centered with God-centered 12-step pillars, you can get like three or four pieces of advice and there is no doubt in your mind what that advice is. And if you still want to go against three out of three that say not a great idea, go ahead. You're probably going to pay for it. But if you can base your, your, these people's help in God, because they're, they don't really have anything to gain. They just want to see you grow. I would defer to listening to the God-centered 12 step pillars, but the power of the ego and sex desire and, and money is very powerful and we will rationalize and justify whatever it is and do sometimes the opposite of what our advice actually was given. But as long as you don't drink and you're willing, you'll learn the lesson. Sometimes we got to be beaten and bludgeoned into humility, but we don't always have to. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay, we also fall into another similar temptation. We form ideals as to what we think God's will is for other people. We say to ourselves, this one ought to be cured of his fatal malady, or that this one ought to be relieved from his emotional pain. And we pray for these specific things. Such prayers, of course, are fundamentally good acts, but often they are based upon supposition that we know what God's will is for the person whom we pray. This means that side by side, with an earnest prayer, there can be a certain amount of presumption and conceit in us. It is AA's experience that particularly in these cases, we ought to pray that God's will, whatever it is, to be done for others as well as ourselves. In AA, we have found that our actual, the actual good results of prayer are beyond question. They are matters of knowledge and experience. And those who have persisted have found strength not ordinarily their own. They have found wisdom beyond their usual capability. And they have increasingly found peace of mind, which can stand firm in the face of difficult circumstances. There ain't any more better truth than what we just read there. All those who have persisted have found strength that not ordinarily their own. 
They have found wisdom beyond their usual capacity, capability, and they have increasingly found peace of mind, which can stand firm in the face of difficult circumstances. Allowing God to run your life is the way to go, and that's, this is how we do it. We discover that we do receive guidance for our lives just to the about the extent that we stop making demands upon God to give it to us on our order and on our terms. Almost any experienced AA will tell his how his affairs have taken remarkable and unexpected turns for the better as he tried to improve his conscious contact with God. He will also report that out of every season of grief or suffering, when the hand of God seemed heavy or even unjust, new lessons of living were learned, new resources of courage were uncovered, and that finally, inescapably, the conviction came that God does move in mysterious way his wonders to perform. It's one of my fa favorite pieces of literature that we just read right there. When the hand of, on God, of God seemed heavy or even unjust, new lessons of living were learned. Hopefully they're learned. Because if they're not learned, then we're going to resist them. Whatever we resist will always persist. The beatings will continue until the lesson is learned. Through learning of the lesson, we heal. And sometimes God's not giving us what we want when we want it because we're not ready for it yet. And through the learning of the lesson of whatever it is, more will be revealed. He gets to a point where he's like, okay, you're ready for this. Here you go. Now you can have it because you've went through the learning lesson and you've healed that part of you. And we, and we learn. But like I said, the alcoholic who lives in that state it's always been like this and it's always going to be like this. And then they impose their will more to try to get the relief that they need. But the relief that they need actually comes from creator. All this should be very encouraging news for those who recoil from prayer because they don't believe in it or because they feel themselves cut off from God's help and direction. All of us, without exception, pass through times where we can pray only with the greatest exertion of the will. Occasionally, we go even further than this. We are seized with a rebellion so sickening that we simply won't pray. When these things happen, we should not think too ill of ourselves. We should simply resume prayer as soon as we can, doing what we know to be good for us. And a lot of people get pissed off at God and they just stop praying. Whenever I work with somebody new, and I've said it on the study, the most important part of prayer is to never stop. And, and even though your prayers might be selfish when you're brand new, because the I'm going to say the art of prayer comes through time, and understanding more of this literature will come the longer you stay in this program. But I think it doesn't matter how you pray or what you pray. Fuck, I thought it was me. Okay. Yeah. It was you, you fucker. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Keep coming back, Jared. Fuck. Okay, let's keep going. Perhaps one of the greatest rewards of meditation and prayer is the sense of belonging that comes to us. We no longer live in a completely hostile world. We are no longer lost and frightened and purposeless. The moment that we catch even a glimpse of God's will, 
The moment we begin to see truth, justice, and love as the real and eternal things in life, we are no longer deeply disturbed by all the seeming evidence to the contrary that surrounds us in purely human affairs. We know that God lovingly watches over us. We know that when we turn to him, all will be well with us here and hereafter. So I, I really love that paragraph. We no longer live in a completely hostile world. We are no longer lost and frightened and purposeless. Why? Because we get clarity and we get direction. We start removing all of these superficial things that gave us happiness and joy. And our thought life is placed on a much higher plane when our thinking is clear to wrong motives. I don't need to think, what can I get from this world anymore? It's more of what can I give? And through this process, the moment we catch even a glimpse of God's will, the moment we begin to see truth, justice, and love and as the real and eternal things in life, we are no longer deeply disturbed by all the seeming evidence to the contrary that surrounds us in purely human affairs. So as we get to level up, as we get into higher states of consciousness, as we begin to see that all people are emotionally, spiritually sick and frequently wrong, we begin to to look at the world from an entirely different perspective. We're not so judgmental and pointing the finger. We, we look around and we can go, that's where they're at. And we understand that because why? Because we've been there too. We're not contempting prior to investigation anymore because love and these principles start infiltrating into our lives more. And we start working in this, in this realm that we could never have imagined until we got there. And the thing about the world of the material or the ego and the world of the spirit is they don't coexist together at the same time. Either you're working in the world of the ego and the defective character and typically feeling shitty, or you're working in the world of the spirit, and which is all loving. There is one who has all power and knowledge. That one is God. You must find him now. There, you can't be in both. That's why it's important to catch the ego working, combat it with love, good thought, and work on that. Because the old pattern of ego is, is grained. It's, it's grooved its way into your life, which is why it's so hard to relinquish, which is why the inner turmoil before serenity, because you have to combat this as victory over these things will bear witness. Victory over these things bear witness to those I will help, meaning the fight is on. And we fight it with, with love and kindness and in ways that we never thought would work properly, and they do work. So I want to read something out of page 130 just to kind of cap this off. Um, on one page 130 in the big book, it's in the uh, family afterward, it kind of describes what we're talking about. You can flip there. You don't have to. It doesn't matter to me. Um, first full paragraph, 130. Those of, those of us who have spent much time in the world of spiritual make-believe have eventually seen the childishness of it. This dream world has been replaced by a great sense of purpose, accompanied by a growing consciousness of the power of God in our lives. We have come to believe that he would like us to keep our head in the clouds with him, but our feet ought to be firmly planted on earth. That is where our fellow travelers are. That is where our work must be done. 
These are the realities for us. We have found nothing incompatible between a powerful spiritual experience and a life of sane and happy usefulness. So that's kind of looking at what we just finished reading. The moment we begin to see truth, justice, and love as the real eternal things in life, we are no longer deeply disturbed by the seeming evidence to the contrary that surrounds us in purely human affairs. We know that God lovingly watches over us. We know that when we turn to him, all will be well with us here and thereafter. So as we level up and we get into this, this other level of love and kindness, and we, the third level of humility, a desire to do God's will, we're not judgmental anymore. Our, our head is up in the clouds with God because that is the attitude, but our feet are firmly planted on earth. Why? Because that's where our fellow travelers are. That is where our work must be done. So as I see these other people struggling in these purely human affairs, I can go be an influence and not by jamming this shit down their throat, by practicing this, this program as a human being in all of my affairs, and the power of attraction, the power of love is magnetic. You know, when you meet somebody that's out of pure ego and it's almost repulsive, but you meet a humble person based in love, it's like, fuck, there's just something about that person. That's because they're, they're emanating love. And that's actually what really connects all of us human beings. It's not built in pride. Pride needs to be fed energy constantly. People need validation living in pride always. Why? Because that's what holds them up. But it's fallible and it's fleeting and soon lost. But when you live with love and, and true power, it needs for nothing. It has everything. It needs nothing. That's why getting to this place of, of like love is really important to get to because it needs of nothing. So, and that's what this program actually takes us to the fellowship of the spirit, you will surely meet some of us as you trust the road of happy destiny. I was just thinking about when I first started <clears throat> or even just over the years, because Bill's, Bill mentioned uh, being judgmental. And so I pray in the morning and then, you know, I'd go be a self-will run ride at work. And then I'd go to meetings and everybody speaking. I'd be like totally judgmental. Like, oh, this fucking guy doesn't know what he's talking about this and that. And I couldn't figure out why his program didn't work, <laughs> you know? And, uh, but the, you know what? The thing was like in the meetings, there was a lot of guys like that. The guys that I was hanging around, like they seemed to be sober, um, you know, and then fucking gossip, talking shit after the meeting about this guy and that guy and what he said and what she said. And, uh, you know, I see it now and like, I can see how, how people can perceive this as a totally different program than what they're trying to teach us. Um, Cause I, I was like that guy for a lot of years trying to do the program, not understanding the program. And I'm really happy all of you guys are on here today um, because this is what we're actually talking about. When you, I grew up like totally judgmental of myself and others. And I would judge myself in every single situation. And it would it just robbed me of feeling the presence of anything. And when it talked about, uh, um, what did it say there? Let me find it here. Where it talked to uh, actually feeling like part of basically. I never felt part of my entire life. 
I kind of felt part of in some meetings here and there, but really, I, I really didn't feel comfortable in any situation. And uh, a lot of it was just, just my ego and my, my judgment because I'm judging other people. So I'm automatically judging myself. And I'm like living in this prison of ego and pride and judgment. And, uh, you know, this process has a way of just breaking me down because it says by dying is by that one awakened. And I'm thinking that he's talking about the ego because my ego is the judgment, the judgment. I take everything personally. I'm angry. I'm full of fear. The guy that I work with today, he says, you're either working in fear or you're working in love. There's no in between. And Bill just mentioned that you can't live in both worlds at the same time. You know, I can't go into prayer and meditation, get on my Facebook and then get pissed off at what everybody's saying. It just, it's not the deal. You know, can I go into any, any situation in a place of neutrality today? You know, do I want to be there? Is that where I want to be today? I do. And this prayer, that's that 11 step prayer will take me there. Because if I go into every situation thinking about being understanding to all people, even though I don't agree with what they're saying, that's really important today. That's really fucking important today. I, I can't stress that enough. I don't have to agree with what everybody's saying. And I have no idea what their experience is to bring them to say that today. But all I know is that I was a fucking asshole before and I'm capable of saying and doing everything they are doing, absolutely. In the right circumstances, I'm capable of exactly what they're doing today. But fortunately, I'm in the circumstance of working a program, able to get sober, connecting with God, working with alcoholics on a daily basis so that I don't react that way anymore. And the program has taught me that today. And my kids are four and six and they're watching me grow up today. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's crazy. This program is, if you actually follow it and you actually want what, the, what we're talking about and willing to go to any length and you're willing to be rigorous, honest uh, and a manner of living which demands it actually. This way of life demands rigorous honesty. So you can't necessarily pray the 11 step prayer in the morning and then go be an asshole all day because it's not being honest. You're either not being honest about the prayer, what you really want, or you're not being honest about what you just prayed about. Either way, we have to commit to this kind of thing. It's not half measures availed us nothing. And I am a poster boy for that shit. <laughs> like seriously, because I just, I didn't take this shit seriously. I want what I wanted, but I wanted God to, to make me feel better. And that's about as far as it went. And like on, on Tommy's point, like he talked about his anxiety and like Tommy, Tommy's anxiety used to be so bad. Like his, his untreated alcoholism was so fucking bad that he couldn't even leave his own apartment. Okay. He couldn't be by himself. He always had to be busy and fucking like, like he was a fucking wreck. And like, you look at him here today, anyone that's new looking at him today, he seems like he's calm, cool, and collective. But that wasn't what Tommy was like, like three years ago. Even 
two years even ago. two years ago mm -hmm. but this guy had dug into the program and just fucking did what he was supposed to do and and he tried really really hard to believe what i was telling him but more so believe what the book was telling him and then it fucking changed him from inside and out and uh like i just wanted to say that because the calm cool and collective guy that you see here today was only this way because of the fucking work that he's done in this book everything that we're talking about is what he's implemented in his life because he had to grasp and develop a manner of living, which demanded rigorous honesty. And uh, that's what I always tell the new guys I work with. Everything I say, everything I do is in respect to get you to this funnel of grasping and developing a manner of living, which demands rigorous honesty. And this is a design for living that really works in tough going and good going. It's, it's not about the substance anymore for me. But I know if I let off on it, it could be at some point. Banana Peel Trail is a short trail. But today, it's, it's a design for living. And how well do I want to live? And, and many people on this channel today are living that, that experience. And this, this experience never ends because God never ends. And uh, yeah, I don't know. So let's go to page 86. Now I'm going to really go through the step 11. Won't take us long, but I want to go through the step 11 again for more of prayer and meditation only. Like I said, when we went through this last week, this is for the newcomer and for, the, for other people and myself included. Here's my clear-cut directions of how I live my life all through step 11. But now let's go to a little bit of a, of a different level. Let's take it up a notch. And we're going to say this is prayer and meditation. And if we're practicing prayer and meditation, and remember inventory is part of this process, this is what we're talking about. So we're going to start at when we retire at night. So when we retire at night, this is all meditation. And it says we constructively review our day. You know, looking at our day with purpose in reflection with purpose and how we can change, not beating ourselves up and going in the morbid reflection and saying, oh, fuck, look at what I did. Look at what I did. That's only ingraining the old belief systems back again. It's like, okay, what can I do better? And we, we meditate on each one of these lines. Maybe it's only for a minute. That's cool. Maybe it's 30 seconds, wherever you got to start, but it's about meditation. So we constructively review our day. Were we selfish, resentful, selfish, dishonest, or afraid? And you sit there quietly and you think about that. What did I miss in my step 10 today? And then it will probably come to you. It doesn't say go write it down, although last week we talked about writing it down. But today we're not talking about that. Okay? Because actually the directions say here that we don't because this is meditation. Do we owe an apology? We meditate on that. Have we kept something to ourselves that should be discussed with another person at once? And for anyone new, if you're following this, you're probably going to fucking say, yeah, I better call my sponsor because I've been dishonest or this or that or whatever it is. And, and like, if you want to hide shit, that's totally up to you. But if you want to grow, 
and you really want to stay sober and you want a good life, then rigorous honesty is fucking key. Were we kind and loving towards all? What could we have done better? Were we thinking ourselves most of the time or were we thinking what we could do for others of what we could pack into the stream of life? But we must be careful not to drift into worry, remorse, or morbid reflection, for that would diminish our usefulness to others. After making our review, we ask God's forgiveness. So you sit, and after all that's done, you ask God's forgiveness. And then we inquire what corrective measures should be taken. And this is all meditation, line by line. And then, now we're going to get into on awakening. And I'm not going to read all the fluff. I'm going to show you the exact directions. If you want to meditate on what's in this literature, then I'm just going to read that part. And then we'll go back and we'll kind of go over it again. So on awakening, next sentence. We consider our plans for the day. This is in the morning. I sit there quietly and I consider my plans for the day. Before I begin my day, I ask God to direct my thinking. Asking that it be divorced from self-pity, dishonest, and self-seeking motives. So I sit there and I meditate on exactly what that says. And then I go to the next paragraph. Because the rest of that is all the fluff in between. It's not your clear-cut direction. In thinking about our day. So as you're thinking about your day, you may face indecision as you're thinking about your day. You're going to kind of play out your whole day from morning into the afternoon, into the later afternoon, into the evening, kind of seeing everything that you're going to be doing to the best of your ability. You may not be able to determine which course to take. Well, maybe I'm going into work and there's a meeting. And sometimes when I go to this meeting, there's this turmoil there. So I, I meditate on that and I picture the meeting and there might be indecision in that meeting. So in my meditation, I ask God for an inspiration or intuitive thought. So I'm playing out my whole day asking for these things. Intuitive thought. You know, I'm going to come home from being away from town and I'm going to see my family. And I'm going to play this out in a kind and loving manner. It's like I'm using my imagination like we talked about to, to play out scenarios in my head, but in a positive way where I'm growing in the image and likeness of my creator and what I want to be like. Because it will manifest itself. And then that's it. So that's it. Now we go to the next page. All the rest of that shit is all fluff. Now we go to the middle of the page where it talks about prayer. So we conclude the period of meditation, which is fluff. Now here we go, a prayer, direction, that we be shown all through the day what our next step is to be. That we be given whatever we need to take care of such problems. We ask especially for freedom from self-will and are careful to make no requests for ourselves only. We may ask for ourselves, however, if others will be helped. And we are careful to never to pray for our own selfish ends. That's it. That's your clear cut. Now down to the next paragraph, just a little bit down from the middle of the paragraph. Select and memorize a few set prayers, which 
emphasize the principles we have been discussing. So it says, you know, take the prayers that you have selected and you memorize those prayers. And you say those prayers. As we go through the day, we pause when agitated or doubtful. We ask for the right thought or action. There's some more meditation. Some more visualizing and using our imagination. Where we may come up to a spot where we're agitated or doubtful. When aren't we doubtful? We're often doubtful. So you try to play those scenarios in your head. And then when you get to the scenario in your head, you ask God in your head for the right thought or action. And then maybe you picture yourself taking that right thought or action. And then the next page, 88. Humbly saying to ourselves many times each day, thy will be done. Directions. And then the rest of it's fluff. And then so down to the bottom, I'm just going to throw this in there. Faith without works is dead. That's it. Mm -hmm. So all of that other stuff was works. Yeah. Um, I, I spent prayer followed by doing nothing doesn't work. <laughs> That's all I have to say about that. I, I've tried to sit pray and just wait for answers without doing anything and it's it doesn't go anywhere so that that line is very important as well um there's something one other thing i wanted to leave with that i can't remember now what was it i can't remember anyway maybe it'll come <laughs> okay so back to the on awakening so I'm just now going to go through it and we'll, we'll just talk a little bit about the fluff and then we'll be done step 11. On awakening, let's think about the 24 hours ahead. We consider our plans for the day. Before we begin, we ask God to direct our thinking directions, especially asking that it be divorced from self-pity, dishonest, self-seeking motive directions. What happens become, because of that? Under these conditions that we do, we can employ our mental faculties with assurance. For after all, God gave us these brains to use. Our thought life will be placed on a much higher plane when our thinking is cleared of wrong motives. And a lot of our motives get cleared in the step 10 stuff because we're identifying selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. We're asking God to remove it. We're talking to someone immediately. And then, so in thinking about our day, we may face indecision. We may not be able to determine which course to take. Here we ask God for an inspiration, intuitive thought or decision. And then it tells us, we relax, take it easy, we don't struggle. I guess that's part of the directions. But this isn't. We're often surprised how the right answers come after you've tried this for a while. So it's telling me that the right answers will come if you try this for a while, like consistently and persistently. What used to be a hunch or occasional inspiration gradually becomes a working part of the mind. So it's just giving you some information on if you do this. That old hunch or, or inspiration that you used to get will gradually become a working part of your mind because it's actually within every man, woman, and child. It's there. Being still an experience because we're new or we're not new, but we haven't practiced it. Um, having just made conscious contact with God is not probable that we're going to be inspired at all times. So it says we're not always going to go to God because we're new or because we haven't practiced it. 
we might pay for this in all sorts of absurd actions and ideas. So I am going to pay for this because and when I'm not going to God, I'm probably acting in self and I will pay for this in absurd ideas and actions. So there's a promise there. It's a bit of a promise. Nevertheless, doesn't really matter is what that's saying. Doesn't really matter. We find that our thinking will as time passes be more and more on the plane of inspiration. We'll come to rely upon it. So it's saying practice, practice, practice. You do this stuff over and over and over and it'll become a working part of your mind. And we talked about in step 10, much has already said, uh, been said about receiving strength, inspiration, direction from him who has all knowledge and power. That's what we're doing here. Inspiration and direction from God who has all the knowledge and power. If we have carefully followed the directions, we have begun to sense the flow of his spirit into us. That's what I want. To some extent, we have become God conscious. We have begun to develop this vital sixth sense. So that's what we're talking about. More and more on the plane of inspiration, working with that sixth sense, and I will come to rely upon it, sharpening the tool of intuition, that occasional hunter inspiration that I know is, is right or wrong. The God guidance system, the GPS, God's pointer system. So then again, we usually conclude the period of meditation with a prayer that we'd be shown all through the day what our next step is to be, that we'd be given whatever we need to take care of such problems. We ask especially for freedom, self-will, and are careful to make no requests for ourselves only. We may ask for ourselves, however, if others may be helped. Uh, we are careful to never pray for our own selfish ends. Then it goes into the fluff. Many of us have wasted a lot of time doing that. It doesn't work. You can easily see why. So maybe you can be aware of when you do that and look at it doesn't work and, and understand why. If circumstances warrant, we ask our wives, friends to join us in morning meditation. If we belong to a religious denomination, which requires a definite morning devotion, we attend to that also. If not members of religious bodies, we sometimes select and memorize a few set prayers, which emphasize the principles we have been discussing. There are many helpful books too. So now it's just giving you some other information. There's lots of other shit out there. Suggestions about these may be obtained from one's peace minister or rabbi. Go look around. And maybe this part takes time. For me, it took time. I wasn't interested in what other people had to offer until I was about two and a half years in. Then I was like, okay. And now today, I was working with Andrew, who's on tonight, I think. And I was like, dude, let's pull out the Bible. I wanted to read some of the Bible. I can't even believe I fucking said that. But I did. And I think the Bible has some really good stuff. I'm not going to take it all because it's not really, I don't believe it all. But I can be quick to see where religious people are right. And I can look at everything else and, and piece, piece some things back into what I've learned here. Make use of what they offer. As we go through the day, we pause when agitated or doubtful, ask for the right thought or action. We constantly remind ourselves we are no longer running the show. Why? Because I fucking constantly want to run the show. Humbly saying to ourselves many times each day, thy will be done. And then what happens? It says we are in much less danger of excitement, fear, anger, worry, self-pity, or foolish decisions. I get some emotional sobriety. I get some emotional balance. So these are kind of like promises. The fluff is some of the like promises that I'm going to get. We become much more efficient. There's a promise. I'll be way more efficient. 
We didn't, I won't tire so easily because I'm not trying to burn up energy foolishly as I did when I'm trying to arrange life to suit myself on my own self-will. And one of my favorite lines in the book, it works, it really does, because it really does work if you work it. We alcoholics are undisciplined, so we let God discipline us in the simple way we have just outlined. But that is not all. There is action and more action. Faith without works is dead. The next chapter is entirely devoted, devoted to step 12. So I really don't have much more to say on step 11. The only thing that I'm going to add on that is that just from my own mistakes and experience that anything you find or whatever you do, religious practices, literature, whatever, always in addition to the 12 steps, never substitute for. That's all I can say. Because this is designed for the real deal alcoholic to keep you, get you sober and keep you sober and be free. Any other stuff that you find in addition to this is amazing. If you start to substitute it for this stuff, you will suffer, I promise you. And I see it happen over and over and over. And I'm only talking about experience, what I see, what I've experienced. It just seems to happen that way. This stuff is designed for us alcoholics. You want to be normal and do other shit. Give it a try, but it doesn't fucking work. I'm telling you. 